Welcome. Did you hear the story of, this is a good story that um, I just heard more recently. There was a, a lady who came to um, our healing conference in October. And some of you might have heard this story, but she, um, she was prayed for there. She had a, a, a large tumor in her chest. Um, and I don't know the, the nature of that tumor. I just know she had a large tumor in her chest and she was actually scheduled for surgery. Uh, to remove this tumor. And whenever you've got a tumor in the chest, that surgery is uh, risky and lengthy. And they reckon she would have a nine and a half hour operation to remove this uh, tumor from her chest. Um, and uh, so she went and she actually uh, had the operation, uh, which lasted half an hour, um, because when they got in, they found she got no tumor. So um, that's kind of good, eh? So, and there's stories abounding like that now. And I've just, when you go away and you, you start to recall some of the things that, that have been, happened with you in the last year, I was just thinking, I, I reckon, and it's not an absolute mathematical sort of uh, calculation, I reckon in our environment, which would be our church, uh, the, the schools and a conference environment, directly um, coming out of those environments, we've seen at least 10 people uh, who had cancer who no longer have it. Um, <laughs> So that is, now I'm, I'm, I'm careful about the way I say that because, because actually many of those people actually had medical intervention as well, which is actually a, the grace of God. But the outcome is we want them not to have cancer, don't we? And that they can live life. And I just think that is, that is not a testimony I would have been able to tell you in any other year of my life. So occasional ones, but now actually starting to see, wow, this is, this is big. And God is doing things. Right across the country, and we're living in a, uh, a new season, a new era. Um, I th- actually, I do think it's a, new, it's a new era, not just a new season. Um, do you understand my, my difference? Was seasons seasons change? Yes. Eras come. So I think actually, we, rather than calling this a season, I think we're entering into a new era, and I think our, our having this building is a part of a new era, not just a season. Yeah. Does that make sense? Um, the, and we need to understand the era that we live in. And Jesus told us to do that. You need to, to understand the signs of the times in which you live. And, uh, and we're trying to, trying to understand the signs of the times in which we're living at the moment. And I'm just trying to, this morning I want to try and give you a, a little taste of, of that. And we'll continue on um, throughout this month trying to help you understand that the, the opportunity of the times as well. And uh, I believe we live in days of extraordinary opportunity as Christians in the U.K., I've been a Christian for um, best part of 40 years now, and I've been excited through many things. But actually, this moment in time, I just feel there is something happening. It's not just here, but wherever I go in the UK, there's exciting things happening, and then the, the miraculous is becoming normal. So, so the stories of healing are becoming becoming more commonplace. It, it's, it, it looks more like as you read it in the Bible. Yeah, but there, I want you to tell. There's more to come. There's a lot more to come. Um, and um, just before Christmas, I was again reading through the Christmas story because I always like to get it in my brain. And it always amuses me, the Christmas story. Um, and, and it inspires me. And, but I, I couldn't get away from the, the, um, the, the story of the angels looking down at, at Jesus. And <laughs> the thought am, am, amused me a little bit because you have to understand that previously the only, only way that the angels had seen Jesus before that was as God in heaven. 
So that's, they, they just knew him in that, that form. So when they see him in baby form, human baby form, it's not a surprise that they're amazed. And say, so, how does he fit in there? Uh, and, uh, but what they then proclaim is this. They, they say, this is, this is good news of joy for all people. Now, I think it's really important we can understand that, that, that the coming of Jesus was to uh, enable everyone to live in joy. Good news of joy for all people. That, that's God's plan for everybody. Not, not just, not just as Christians. Now, obviously, as a Christian, you have, uh, you have a great advantage, but actually, we, we need to be able to produce joy around us in every environment in which we, we live, exist, work. That makes sense? That, that we have a capacity within us to pr- produce joy wherever we are and wherever we go. It's really important that you've got it inside yourself. It's very difficult to produce something you, you haven't got inside you. So that there's some fantastic verses on joy. Um, it's a good word study in the Bible. Um, in 1 Peter 1 verse, verse 8, it talks about being filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Isn't that good? An inexpressible and glorious joy. That means that you can't get your words around it. Just a bit, it's a bit beyond your comprehension, okay? Inexpressible and glorious joy. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 2 says, talks about an overflowing joy, okay? So it's a joy that, that, that blow, bubbles out of you, that, that you can't contain. It just, and it's going to touch the environment wherever you are. An overflowing joy. And then one of my favorites, Romans 15, Romans 15 verse 13 says this, May the God of hope, I like that, God of hope, fill you with all joy, not just a little bit of joy, but all joy and peace as you trust in him. Now, there's a little secret. As you trust in him, as you trust God, then joy and peace are your daily diet. Okay? Faith is, is your route into this. Worry doesn't make you joyful, okay? Worry, anxiety, not good. Okay? Joy and peace. It says, then it goes on to, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God. I wonder what it looks like to overflow with hope. Overflow with hope so that hope just spills out of you and all around you. So I want to be one who overflows with joy, with an inexpressible and glorious joy. And I want to overflow with hope. And what is fascinating is now actually seeing how people are starting to to, uh, trust their hope in in our environment. So actually I find it, again, it's humbling how many people come along to our healing center because they want to get healed of cancer. But all of a sudden, there's a hope that's starting to arise that this is possible because we've got some stories to tell them that it's possible. Make sense? We've got, we've got stories that start to say, oh, and, and people are hearing. I love the story of the lady whose leg was going to be amputated and now she walks a mile and a half to the cafe. It's a good story. If you don't know that story, have a chat with Sasha there in the office. But I loved it. Sasha said, this lady got healed, and you're going to take her for a coffee. And you said, you're going to pick her up? She said, don't, don't worry, I'll walk. It's only, it's only a mile and a half. Now, that's not bad for somebody whose leg was going to be amputated. That's overflowing hope and joy, isn't it? Just all the joy that that brings into an environment. And it, it's really important that we understand this. And I want to look at a guy called Philip to help you understand a bit about this, okay? Because... Um, I've just, there's so much I could say and would love to say, and I uh, can never fit it all in one Sunday. So I say to God, okay, how am I going to do this? The first uh, Sunday of the new year. And I want you to look with me at, at, uh, in the book of Acts. 
and a man called Philip. And you first come across him in Acts chapter 6. And um, this is an interesting conundrum. You know, when, when churches grow, they are faced with practical issues, as we are right now. Okay? We, we face practical uh, issues as, as we try and manage this building. There's a reality to that. Um, and uh, we're still facing them, you know, and we will be for a while to come because actually the opportunities and the growth actually provides, provides um, um, challenges. And it says, in those days, in beginning of Acts chapter 6, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So there was a bit of a, of, of, um, a gap in, in, the, uh, in what was uh, needed. Um, so the 12, that's the 12 apostles, gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables, brothers. Choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom and we will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the, the word. And uh, the proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and, uh, and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip and some other guys. So th- this is where Philip first appears. So the first thing you know about Philip is that he's a man full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Okay. Now, why is it so important to be full of the Holy Spirit if you've got to give out food? Surely you can do that without being filled with the Holy Spirit. We, actually, you can, can't you? But you shouldn't. <laughs> okay. Um, it's quite possible to do a lot of Christianity in your own strength. But you shouldn't. Okay. The first requirement is, is actually your connection to God. This is what he's talking about. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is, is not, not a bit of petrol in your tank to keep you serving more effectively. It's actually fundamentally your connection to God himself. Because the Holy Spirit is God himself. And we're not meant to do Christianity in a disconnected way. It, it's absolutely vital that, that, that your connection with God is current, vibrant, and overflowing. So this guy is chosen, and his first job is actually overseeing this, this task. And you might say, well, that's a quite a routine, mundane task. It doesn't look too glamorous. And, but um, most of Christianity, um, in one sense, doesn't start glamorous. It starts actually with the little things. What God says is, if you're faithful with the little things, I'll give you more. Okay. So here's a guy, and he says, right, I'll, I'll do this job. And, um, and then what happens in, if you go forward to Acts chapter 8, there's trouble comes, basically, and there's a persecution against the church in Jerusalem that, that, that arises after, the, after, the, uh, after Stephen is killed. He's martyred, okay? So there's trouble comes against this growing church. And this church is scattered, and it says the only ones actually who stay in Jerusalem are the apostles. Everybody else goes. I'm not quite sure why... The apostles stayed and everybody else goes. He doesn't give much explanation. But basically it says everybody scatters. Um, a great persecution broke out against the church. Now in verse 4 of Acts chapter 8 it says, Those who have been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Now what you've then got is, is a group of Holy Spirit filled people scattering out across, across the Mediterranean world and preaching the good news of Jesus wherever they go. Now what's going to happen? Well, good news, joy and hope is just about to overflow into the world. And uh, God uses all things for good. doesn't mean to say it's good to be persecuted, but he will use it for good. And in this case, he does. And, um, and they were scattered. And Philip, okay, Philip, who we know, went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. So he thought, well, I'm just going to overflow. 
and tell people what I know. He, he, and what he knows is this. He knows Jesus. And, and he's proclaiming a man. He's, he's talking about his connection to God. You have to remember at this moment, he doesn't have the New Testament. He's not preaching out of the Gospels because they haven't been written yet. Not preaching out of, of the epistles. He, he, he probably does, I expect he refers to the Old Testament. But basically what he's telling people about is, I know a man. I, I know a man and this is what he's done for me. He set me free. That's what we sung. He, he, he's filled me with joy, an, an overflowing joy, an abundant joy. And I've lived in this environment. And you know what? It's amazing. How did it start? Well, it started with these guys on, on, on the day of Pentecost. And there was this loud sound from heaven. And there was like fire on their head. It was really weird. And they were speaking in our languages. It was supernatural. Do you understand? It's a, there's a dynamic of it that, that it started in a way that, that, that is not human. It, it, it's God. And it has to continue in that way. So that, that's, so he, he's telling people about the, the Jesus when the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did. So actually for him, miracles are normal. Now, I wonder, this is, my imagination goes on this, I wonder in the daily distribution of food, if they were lacking food, what he did. What do you think? I, I reckon, could have multiplied it, couldn't he? It's a good trick. Somehow he got used to doing miracles. He did. Healing the sick. He saw them and the miraculous signs he did, and they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. That's not bad, is it? So how, how many people is it taking to do this? One. One guy. With God inside him. One, one person with God inside, and the outcome is this. It says, there was great joy in that city. He had enough joy in him to overflow to fill a city. That's a, how does that work? Well, you think, I don't know. But it actually, it, I don't know how it fits inside you, but it does. Because the Holy Spirit is inside you. And I, I have no idea how he fits. But He does. <laughs> he goes on to say, now for some time a man, a man named uh, Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. So here's, a, here's an, another guy, and he's called Simon, and, and he's, he's lived there for a while, and he's the, he's the local sort of wizard, magician. He boasted that he was someone great, so he, he thought he was, he was great. And all the people, both high and low, so everybody in this place, the, the high and the low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, this man is the divine power known as the great power. So this, is, this guy's reputation is, is pretty um, impressive in this place. Okay, so he's obviously doing stuff that, that causes people to say, wow, this, he, he's God. This is what they're saying, this is, this is a God and he's really powerful. So what does this guy do when he sees Philip at work? See, these guys followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. So the guy who is the great power in a place is astonished when one guy turns up filled with the Holy Spirit. Because he sees signs and wonders, he says, I can't do that, I don't know how you do that. 
And he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. Okay? No matter how impressive it is. And so Philip, doing these signs and wonders, he changes the city. The apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God. They sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. It's time and again you'll see the, the apostles are determined that, that every new believer is filled with the Spirit. The reason for that is that that gives you your own personal connection with God. That you're not dependent upon other people. It's really important. Your Christianity should not be dependent upon other people. It should be connected to other people, but not dependent. Does that make sense? We're, we're, we're in a body, so we're connected. But if your prime dependence is not God, then you'll become dependent upon people. Does that make sense? And that's not how it's meant to be. And so, so, so the, the apostles come along and they say, right, you need to be filled with the Spirit. Why? Because actually he will be in you. He will be your source. He's the one that can provide you with overflowing joy. So I could tell you a few jokes, make you a little bit happy, wouldn't provide... Wouldn't put you in overflowing joy mode, yes? We could get Jim up here with his jokes. We could have a little competition. But you, we, I can make—I can probably make you laugh and happy a little bit. But actually, I cannot give you a source of overflowing, abundant, eternal joy. Personally, the only way I know how to do that is lay hands on you, and then I know it happened, and I see it happen. Because I can lay hands on you, and you know what happened is the the Holy Spirit will fill you, and you will get filled to overflowing. Now, that is a gift that is given to each one of us as Christians, that we can lay hands on people. And it actually talks about it as a foundation of our faith. So we all have that ability. Now, I don't know why Philip didn't, it didn't occur to Philip. I don't know why. It's a bit of oversight. Maybe he was so caught up in what was going on, but... Maybe he didn't get around to it. But the, the apostles thought, this is really important. So, so they do that. Um, now, when Simon, so Simon, okay, saw that the spirit was given by the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. He said, wow, this is impressive. I want that. I, I'll buy it off you. Now, this is the guy who is known as the divine power and the great power. And he says, man, I haven't got that. Where do you get that? I, could I buy that off you? And they say, no, you can't, basically. May your money perish with you. <laughs> and they, they rebuke him because they say, you can't buy this. You can't buy this. May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You see, you can't buy this with money. It's a gift. Wow. Who wants to give you this gift? Your father in heaven. Okay, he's a good dad. We've been singing about the goodness of God. Is he good to you? Is he good all the time? And it tells you very clearly in the Gospels that he's such a good God, and he's such a good dad, that he will give you the Holy Spirit if you ask. In fact, he compares it to the idea that if you ask for your, your dad for, for, for an egg, that that dad would give you a scorpion instead. So, anybody serving up scorpion sandwiches for lunch? Or snake burgers? No, he says, he says, it's a ridiculous idea. He, he puts out a ridiculous idea and says, it is completely ridiculous to think that God won't give you the Holy Spirit if you ask him. That is, that is it, okay? 
That is a certainty and assurance that you can rest in, that you have a good God, and if you ask him, he will give you the Holy Spirit as a gift, not something you can buy. You can't earn it. Right? So you can't buy it through your service either. Does that make sense? You can't buy it with money. You can't earn the gift of the Holy Spirit. What you can do is ask. And you can give away as well. Isn't that fantastic? So you can get enough, so it overflows. So you've got it to give away. I think it's fantastic. That's what happens. Okay. So back to Philip. So, so Philip's, Philip's had quite a good time. So Philip starts with serving food out. He then gets... Uh, trouble comes his way. He, he, as he goes on his way, he decides he'll preach about Jesus and do some miracles. And he, and he turns the city upside down, brings joy to a whole city. Now, that's not bad, is it? Now, what you've got this, again, this fascinates me because you've got this brand new church that's just arisen. And, um, and the, the apostles come along and then they go back to Jerusalem. And you think, well, who's going to lead these guys? Um, maybe Philip would be a good idea. But actually, God seemed to have other ideas about that. Uh, so in verse 26 says, an, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road. Okay, so this is another aspect I like about this. We just, we just read this for, take this for granted in the Bible, don't we read it? So an angel comes along and talks to you. That's the normal life in, in, in Christianity. Not quite so normal for most of us. Yet. Becoming more common, I would suggest. Because we're becoming aware. Yeah? More of the resources that God has placed already at our disposal. Angels have always been around. Thus we've not thought a lot about them. <clears throat> it talks about you can entertain angels unaware. Well, as well as doing that, let's try and be aware. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd have a few questions. So, so, well, I think, so you want me to leave this for a desert? Or a desert road? Any other instructions? He gets no other instructions, does he? Now, you and I know what's going to happen next. He had no idea what's happening next. I don't think. But what he does know is this, he knows God. And he recognizes the voice of God through God's voice himself, through an angel. And he trusts God because, he says, actually, I know this God, he's good. And he's got, some, he's got a good idea coming up, and I want to be in on it. He's got a good plan. Who would have missed out if Philip hadn't done what this angel told him to do? Well, I'll probably fill it, because I reckon I've got to find somebody else to do it. Because he's about to meet somebody who's about to take the good news of Jesus into Africa. So this guy starts putting, giving food out to the table, or, you know, food out to, to people who are missing it. Actually, gets sent on his way persecuted. He's filled with the Holy Spirit, but actually he's about to encounter a guy. And he started... On, out on his way, and he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important officer in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. So, this is, I found, again, reading this through this morning, I thought, he's used to listening to the angels, he's also used to listening to the Holy Spirit. 
Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked. Always a good question when you're reading the Bible. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading the passage of scripture. Uh, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before the shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they travelled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptised? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptised him. This guy's got an exciting life going on, doesn't he? And, and the church history and Christian history would tell us that, that this Ethiopian eunuch was the guy who brought Christianity for the first time into Africa. And there is, um, um, to this day, uh, an amazing tradition of Christianity in Ethiopia and other parts of Africa. So here's Philip. He starts giving food out. He then brings joy to a whole city. Now bringing Christianity to a continent. And he was just faithful at the beginning and then given more. What happens to him next? Well, I love this bit. <laughs> so he got baptized. <clears throat> when they came up out of the water, so immediately they got out of, out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch didn't see him again. He just disappeared. The eunuch went on his way rejoicing. Joy. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus. Now, I looked it up on the map. It's quite a way away. that's weird how did that happen he just poof boom and he arrives somewhere else I tell you nothing's impossible for God you don't know what you're going to get into when you get filled with the spirit (laughs) you don't know where you're going to end up reminds me of the story of a man and God told him to go to the airport some of you have heard this story. And he went to the airport and God said to him, uh, I want you to pack your bag and go to the airport. And he said, but I haven't got a ticket. He said, it doesn't matter, just pack your bag and go to the airport. So he goes to, goes to the airport and, and he's uh, waiting there and he says to God, okay, what next? And God doesn't say anything. So he's waiting around and he's waiting for somebody to come and give him a ticket or some, something else to go on. And um, he's waiting there quite a long time and eventually he needs to go to the, the, the toilet, bathroom, as they call it in America. This was in America. So he says to God, is it okay if I go to the bathroom? God says, yeah, sure, go. Off you go. So, <coughs> so he needs to use a cubicle. So he gets to the toilet and he, and he goes in the cubicle and God says, no, take your bag with you. So, so he sort of manoeuvres to get his suitcase in the cubicle. Not, not always that easy. I've not tried it too often, I must admit. But it's, uh, <coughs> And so does the necessary. And... Um, Goes out of the cubicle with his with his bag in tow, in tow finds himself in a different country. <laughs> wow, weird. Now, I'd like to know what happened next, but nobody's told me that part of the story. 
Because I have all sorts of questions that go on in my brain when that, uh, and you do as well, don't you? Thinking, uh, what did he do? <laughs> Which country was he in? <laughs> did he get a visa stamp? Did God put it in there? I don't, I have no idea. What I do know is that God can do amazing things. Where, where, where will you end up? I, I don't know. What will God do with you? And it starts with this simple service filled with the Spirit. So Christian life is, is easy in one sense, challenging in another, and very exciting in another. What happens to Philip after that? Has anybody got any ideas? Well, I want you to turn with me to go forward to Acts chapter 21. Okay, so now the book of Acts is telling us mainly about Paul and his journeys. So this is Paul, okay, says uh, in verse 7, it says, We continued our voyage from Tyre and landed at Ptolemaeus, where we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for a day. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip, the evangelist, one of the seven. So what is Philip now known as? Evangelist. He's, he's just kept on going. He's just keeping telling people about Jesus. He's in Caesarea. Now, what it says actually back in Acts chapter 8 was he set off for Caesarea. So actually he settled in a place. And what it says next I find interesting. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. He went somewhere. He got married. He settled. And he had a family. That's one of the greatest adventures you can ever have in life. And what do we know about this family? What do you know about them? <laughs> they're prophesied. I, I suspect we can gather that they're filled with the Spirit as well. Yeah? They're filled with the Spirit. How do I know that? They prophesied. You can go on all sorts of adventures for God. You can end up in a different country. <laughs> you can bring joy to a city. One of the greatest privileges anybody has is to raise the next generation. Four daughters who prophesied. Now there's work involved in that. I've got one daughter. And she's wonderful. I've got one son. I have two children. But actually... Being a parent actually requires effort and work. Being married requires effort and work, yeah? And you know what? All the glamour in Christianity is not when you end up in a different country. It can be very glamorous. But actually, there's just as much to, to be done in terms of people who... And this guy settled in Caesarea, so he settled long enough to get married and have four daughters, all of whom are prophesying. And, and I felt God saying to me, actually, that, that with Eastgate, there's, there's a settling now that's going on with North Kent Community Church. We're, no, no, we're not nomads anymore. Okay. So on Wednesday, the evening school will come here. I think, yeah. Thursday, the day school will come here. 
Yesterday we were having healing centre. I'm thinking, so you haven't got to have a word of knowledge or an amazing insight to find out where we are. <laughs> it's quite interesting. So a number of people say, North Kent Community Church. Oh, you meet in Tunbridge, don't we? No, that's where we have our conferences. That's where a lot of people... No, seriously, a lot of people think we, we, we're a church in Tunbridge. We're not. No, I don't. But, but actually, you know what? Conferences will happen here. There's a settledness to it here. The children's work that is going on at this moment downstairs is heroic. Okay? It's investing in generations to come who will be filled with the Spirit, who I honestly believe do greater exploits than we have done. That's that's how it works. And, uh, you know, I want to bring joy to this whole... And I'm going to start calling Gravesender City, okay? Claiming it as one. But this whole area... We have the capacity. If one, one guy could bring joy to a whole city, what can we do? Can joy break up from around us? And can it break out in your children, on the school playground, in the classroom? Can it, can it affect their teachers? Can, can, we, can we affect the whole generation in, in this, this area? I believe we can. Can we produce the best health statistics the UK has ever seen? I think so. Yeah? The, the, can, we, can, we, can we work towards a place where this is, is, is education is extraordinary in this area? Yeah? Where business, businesses flourish, yeah? Where churches work together and are united. And it's great, actually, in two, two, two Sundays' time, so on the 19th of January, we will be actually hosting the Churches Together in Gravesend annual meeting here in, in, in this building on Sunday afternoon, on the 19th of January. Isn't it great? So there is something happening. You need to see the signs of the times. And uh, this is what I'm going to suggest to you. The most important thing that I can tell you is this. What do you think it's going to be? Be filled with the Spirit. You might say, I keep on hearing that from Pete. It's like a one-track record. It's true. Because it's all about God, you see, and I don't have any other solution for you that will work continually. Some notice go up there? It's quite clever, isn't it? What I do know is this, that God is eternal, he's infinite, and he loves you. He loves me. And if I ask him, he will fill me with the Holy Spirit and he will give me everything I need for every day. And I want to invest into this environment and into future generations. I just think it's extraordinary the opportunity that is in front of us. And uh, so I'm going to ask you, if you want to stand up and ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And young people... The young folks have been in with us today, and I just wanted to address you. Okay, if you're, you're 18 and under, still at school, I, on, I just want to commission you to do a great exploits for God. Miracles, okay? Miracles should be normal right across every generation. This needs to be a place of inexpressible and glorious joy. Yeah? 
you know, angels are happy people generally. Whether you can call them people, I'm not quite sure, but anyway, they're, they're, they're happy. Do you know why they're happy? How do I know they're happy? Because it says, of every sinner that repents, there's a party going on in heaven. Do you know how many, how many people have repented and been born again in the world this last week? Best part of two million. There's a lot of parties in heaven. Let's pray to be filled, shall we? Father God. Father, we love you. Thank you that you love us. You love us with an inexpressible and glorious love. Thank you, Jesus, that you had more joy than anyone who walked on this earth. You were anointed with the oil of gladness above all your companions. And so we take hold of the joy that's available to us right now and the power, the love, the goodness, the kindness. Would you pour yourself into our lives right now that we would overflow? And Father, I want to pray for the next generations that are coming up after us, that this building will see and host generation after generation of people who know and love you. Father, we pray with generations of spirit-filled people, joy-filled people rise up in this area. Well, we pray for our area. Let it know the kingdom of heaven in reality, expressed here on a daily basis. And Father, I pray for each one of us. Let us be filled in the name of Jesus with the power of the Spirit. And as we go about our daily activities, whether it's in difficult circumstances or easy ones, in workplace, in family life, we pray that you would make us fruitful in every way. I pray that in Jesus' precious name. Hallelujah.